0: Hello, I'm Grant Bartley and you're listening to the Philosophy Now radio show. Today we'll be talking about existentialist psychotherapy. We'll be finding out what it is and how to do it and why to do it and its connection with existentialist philosophies. I have with me Jill Davies, who's a practicing existentialist psychotherapist, and Brian O'Gorman, who's an associate lecturer at the Open University and a high-intensity th- therapist with existentialist training. So first, we just... Uh, Basic definitions, uh, Jill. What is psychotherapy?
1: Well, about psychotherapy. Um, th- there are as many different psychotherapies uh-huh. as there are religions. Sure. So, um, I-, I could probably answer that uh, by saying that the most common denominator w- would be exploring the mind in search of troubling issues that uh-huh. that re- require resolving. But there, there are many different definitions because there are so many different types of psychotherapists. And does it,
0: differ, does it differ from psychoanalysis, for instance?
1: It differs from psychoanalysis, yes, it does. Uh-huh. Um, psychoanalysis is uh, originally um, one of the first psychotherapists, which uh, I think you possibly all know is Freudian-based. Uh-huh. Um, an existential psychotherapy is not Freudian-based at all, but there are, many, there are many therapies, and I'm not sure what you're asking me exactly. I was giving you a basic definition and of just psychotherapy. Just if there was any
0: difference, I mean, in the way that they approach things, for instance, or I- mm. emphasis, for instance.
2: Well, I suppose what I would say about it is that, in a sense, um, psychoanalysis is a type of psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. It's just okay. one mm. of, of many types uh, of, of psychotherapies that there are.
0: Okay, so, I mean, psyche means is Greek for mind, so it implies that you're trying to heal the mind. Would that be a fair
1: comment, do you think? Existentially speaking, I'm not sure that I would agree with healing the uh-huh. mind. I would agree with investigating a person's worldview more uh-huh. than saying healing the mind.
0: Right, okay. Well, that, then the next question is, what is existentialism? Do you want to have a go at that, Brian?
1: Yes, well, I suppose we're talking
2: here about a... a a philosophical movement that um and of course existentialism there's many books written on it and um it's typically seen as arising from the work of kierkegaard so <laughs> so is, he was the it,
0: first existentialist you're saying yeah that's right and um, when did he live
2: well he he lived in the 19th century i i think sort of 18 1830s mm-hmm. is, is when he produced most of his work right um but uh, then there are you know, other other philosophers who, who who followed on from him
0: okay and again what's distinctive about existentialism as a type of philosophy as opposed to well
2: sartre says um that um existence precedes essence and well it 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 could you could debate about what that actually means but i suppose what what i would see as being um a pervasive theme in in existential um philosophy is to get away from a a generalized conception of things and to try to move towards something that's specific and and radical so you know um, kierkegaard talked about that solitary individual heidegger talks has a concept of dasein being there um and nietzsche as well talks very much about the you know the will of an individual so it's all
0: about individuals is that right Mm. existentialism about philosophy of individualism is that correct i would say that
2: it's one an emphasis within existentialism I, i wouldn't want to limit existentialism to purely uh, the study of of individuals um there, there are it's a very broad
0: i mean i mean is, is it language. like the name suggests is it like the philosophy of what it's like to exist
2: I think probably we'd answer that in it, by saying that explores um, it, or, or gives importance to to looking at um, w- what is meant or what, what or what it's like to exist, yeah, uh, for, for, mm-hmm. as an individual experience. Um, because of course there's other theories of existence isn't there within the philosophical tradition sure. which we could look at in this kind
0: with time which yeah. we probably won't um okay so what is existentialist psychotherapy if we put them two together uh what would you say in answer to that jill
1: well existential uh, psychotherapy stemmed from uh, the ex- existentialism movement um and i believe it started really with, they, with, with three psychiatrists i uh-huh. think it was jaspers and binsweger and and boss i think i'm correct in in saying brian uh-huh. um Sounds like a firm of solicitors. uh, It's confirming with the solicitor, yes. Um, But it's um, interesting because really existentialists are quite anti-psychiatry. So it's interesting to me that in fact existential therapy was originally started by three psychiatrists. Okay. Can
0: I just stop you there? I mean, Mm. we're talking about psychotherapy, so you're uh, you're saying that these they've adopted this anti-psychiatry. These psychotherapists have adopted an anti-psychiatry mode of philosophy how does that work
1: well it, it works as in um not believing in medicalizing conditions uh-huh. the the uh-huh. human condition to be treated by dialogue and treated is not really a, a, a very appropriate word to use uh-huh. it's it's exploring someone's world view as opposed as opposed to drugging someone that that oh. has an uh, issue
0: okay so it's purely psychologically based so that's not Maybe I
2: could add something here just to mm. sort of put yeah, a bit sure of context on, sure. into to this. Um, Emil Krepelin was the was the, f- the founder of psych- modern psychiatry, and right. he he looked at how um, various psychological disorders could be defined in terms of natural kinds. Was he before Freud? He was contemporary with uh-huh. Freud, um, sort of writing in the beginning, <laughs> the first decade of the 20th century is his his main work. But in a sense, I think most psychiatrists would tell you, yes, that's where it started, psychiatry, with Emil uh, Krappelin. I don't know if I pronounced his name right, but but he's... um, so, so the important thing is that that, that psychiatric. This is where di- where where psychiatrists use something called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual and the International Classification of Diseases, which is a set of cri- objective criteria about what, say, psychosis is or schizophrenia. In
0: other words, is, what anybody could observe, right?
2: Anybody could. Well, yeah, anybody could observe because it's defined
0: very behaviourally, or you uh-huh. know, in terms of
2: you know certain symptoms or right. you know hallucinations
0: and things like that that. that Mm. okay so uh again what what's the connection with existentialism well
2: because existentialism is is very opposed to that um very opposed to sort of objective definitions of what of 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 mental the very idea of a mental disorder or um that the people are, are can be pathologised in that way um, is for an existentialist psychotherapist missing the point in the sense right, okay, of, of so what you someone's don't, distress might be true, about.
0: Is it true then that you're saying that existentialist psychotherapy doesn't believe that people are ill?
2: I think certainly <laughs> that it's debatable about what 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 illness might mean to them and how they would.
0: In which case, what are you it. treating?
2: Well, I mean, would you like to add something? Well, I
1: I, I think treating is a strange word as well. I mean, I I certainly, I mean, existentialism. Yeah,
0: but please use the language that you're comfortable with. I Mm. mean, that would convey it properly. I mean, you know, don't don't pick up on my terms, please.
1: Okay, Um, I, I personally don't. I am not saying that there are no illnesses, that there is no such thing as psychosis. Right. What I, what I believe and what I'm saying is that there are so many conditions now that are the human condition. Right. In, in in the DSM... There's a DSM-5 that's about to be developed, and there's a... I don't a, know what that means. OK, it's the diagnostic manual that the psychiatrists and GPs right. use to diagnose. Right. It's it's a huge book, and they're just developing a new one after many years, which, which will be the DSM-5. Five and there's a huge movement, particularly uh, in America, by humanistic psychologists and existential analysts, who've signed a petition, eight thousand people, right. because there are so many um, disorders, brain disorders mm-hmm. listed, which which we consider are human conditions, not brain conditions, and therefore the likelihood is that so many things will be treated pharmaceutically right. as opposed to being treated humanly. Uh- Okay, where,
0: where do you draw the line between something that be, can be treated uh, through uh, therapy and something that has to be treated with drugs? I mean, how do you know where to draw the line? That's not the question.
1: Yes, I, I'm not sure I could answer that, how, how you would draw the I line. I mean, is it, is it possible
0: do- that uh, you give drugs to the conditions that are based on bad brain chemistry and you do therapy on the conditions that are based on bad experiences for instance.
2: But then you're assuming that there's a there's a disjunction between the two, aren't you? No, you can have both. But I suppose I suppose it comes down to something that an individual can choose can choose about whether whether in terms of whether it, it it helps to alleviate the distress that they're suffering okay. from. And I suppose that's what an existential therapist might might not would might not necessarily be opposed to that. I would right. say, um, but they would certainly not necessarily think that that should be the only form of treatment. For sure, for mental disorders.
0: Maybe or I'm or m- being a bit hard. We haven't really sort of uh, got details of how to do it yet, which we will get onto. But I just want to ask, what makes existential psychotherapy different from other forms of therapy? Uh,
2: Shall I answer that? Yeah, one? Okay. okay. Well, I would say that there's probably two two elements, two aspects to it that are distinctive. Uh, one is about the use of of phenomenology
0: or the phenomenological method, describing experience, right?
2: Yeah, broadly speaking. Um, and the other the other aspect is the 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 kind of indirect use of existential ideas in the way that you might then explore something with with somebody. Give
0: me an example. uh, Jill, maybe you've got an example. How would you use an existentialist idea to talk to somebody?
1: Well, an existentialist idea... Um, I think... I, I probably would give you an example maybe sure, sure. it w- would be easier for me than, than 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 to define that um i mean for instance i i also used to work in a hospital in a mm-hmm. psychiatric uh, uh, hospital in in the psychotherapy ward but i was working existentially um and and i had a, a patient whose name was janet now i hope you're changing names for the indeed patient. i am indeed i am yeah. yes to protect the guilty. Yeah. Now, she'd, she'd just been an inpatient <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and had come for psychotherapy. She, she had been labelled paranoia, and I'm not saying that she hadn't got paranoia, right, okay. but she wouldn't engage with me. She had to be searching the room, look, right. looking for bugging devices. Now, if I was working in, say, a psychodynamic way, I would have been challenging that. Right. But, in fact, working in an existential way... Uh-huh. She wasn't engaging with me, so I entered into her world. And in fact...
0: What do you mean when you say I that? I started
1: to search the room for, oh, for right. the bugging devices. you copied devices her behaviours, yeah. I joined in. Right, I joined okay. in with her behaviour. Um, and, and that did, in fact, go on for some time. Uh-huh. Now, psychodynamically, people may think, well... What are you doing? You're colluding with mm-hmm. her. My take was she she isn't engaging with me. So unless I enter into her world, there isn't going to be yeah, an you engagement. You've got to
0: reach in to take her out of it. Yeah? Yes,
1: exactly. So I mean, af- after some time, uh, we in fact did start to engage. But I I, I was searching the room also for bugs with her for for some mm-hmm. sessions, and until in fact we'd built up a rapport, and then the work started from there. So. I don't know if that answers your question. I mean, that's yeah, it's going su-
0: some way up. Um, what makes it in particular different from philosophical counselling and humanistic therapy?
2: Okay, well, th- I suppose with, with philosophical counselling, you, you, you're directly drawing on philosophers to help uh-huh. someone understand a particular. This is, problem. A, this is a
0: form of therapy that's recognised.
2: It? It's it's. It, I suppose it probably has within your journal some coverage, does it not, Grant? Has you maybe you? So that's
0: philosophy now, yeah. Magazine guys,
2: <laughs> um, so. Um, philosophical counseling w- 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 is basically giving someone a tutorial right. on how you know what what would kant say about this or how would you how could we understand this if we if we consulted aristotle or, what, to or, do psychic to, to, to yeah to, to 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 deal with the problem that someone has so right. um, and, and, that, and no it's kind of right. very i would say it's it's a very direct and explicit link between the use of those philosophers and the the, the intervention the the the, the, the the treatment that is provided to somebody but with existential psychotherapy it's much more indirect so that it's the the concerns and the issues help inform the psychotherapist to explore in in a particular way um the difficulties that somebody has so for so for example what jill was showing in a sense was entering someone's worldview Mm -hmm. respecting someone's worldview um she wasn't saying oh well this is heideggerian kind of approach to the problem in in a way that perhaps a philosophical counselor might might frame it in terms of justifying why they were doing that So do you you have anything to add to that, Jill, about the difference with um, philosophical counselling?
3: No,
1: I mean, only that um, I I thought that a philosophical counsellor wasn't necessarily trained in counselling, whereas existential Uh counsellors and psychotherapists, of course, they study existential philosophy, but a major part of the training is the psychotherapy and... Okay, can you uh,
0: both tell me what your links are with existentialist psychotherapy and why you're interested in this form of therapy in particular, why you got interested in it, or why you think it's uh, better or more productive than any other way, perhaps?
2: I suppose I would start by saying that, like you, Grant, we we studied philosophy together, um, and um, I suppose... um, uh, when i started training as a counselor one of the things that i was ex- was interested in was really how to how to explore problems and, and and difficulties with people and and of course that's something that philosophy mm-hmm. has typically done so uh, you know and so that's kind of how i got into it originally it was drawing on my original philosophical background
0: okay uh, so it's something that you already knew about in a way so that's why you liked it yeah
2: i suppose i i i, I knew about some of it but i was wanting to explore perhaps the more uh, practically relevant the more ex- the more and that led to existential uh, the 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 uh, training in
0: existential therapy. Okay, what about you, Jill? Why did you get into this particular form of therapy? Okay, well,
1: I I mean, I'm afraid I haven't got anything clever to say. I I went for some therapy myself, and I didn't actually even know at the time because this was so many years ago. Uh I thought all therapy was the same, right. and I think a lot of people out there do, in right. fact. There are
0: hundreds of schools, though, isn't there,
1: there? There are hundreds of schools, but I didn't know. I was recommended to a particular person who is who, actually quite well-known in, in the existential field. I, I did very well with him. Mm-hmm. I, I had a very fruitful experience, and therefore that was what made me want to go study that
0: that's fair enough isn't it uh well before we go into the sort of details of how to do it which i think we're going to do uh in a few minutes uh first of all i want i want to get into a bit of the philosophical side of it which philosophers have been most important in the existentialist approach and what have they said or thought that lends itself to therapeutic applications
2: Okay, I suppose I would start with, with Kierkegaard as, uh-huh. as being one of the people who's important, with his, e- his emphasis on subjectivity. That which that, means what? Which means actually the, the, the person's own experience, that uh-huh. that, that, that is where so the it's truth is subjectivity. Your particular
0: is, individual experience as a human being, yeah? That's yeah. what he emphasised, yeah? Yeah. And what did he say that was uh, lending itself to therapy then?
2: Well, I suppose um, he he has. I've mentioned about truth and subjectivity, but he had this idea of what he called indirect communication, oh. um, which, in in a sense, mean we can understand it in many different levels. But it, it is about the person themselves having taking taking something on and making it their own.
0: Well, I don't know what that means. Okay, I'll so okay, I give
2: you an example. Let's take Christianity or right. any kind, or any kind of religion. Let's say that. Um, I could be kind of like a nominal, a nominal Christian or a nominal Muslim or, or whatever, where I take part in the in the mosque, but it, I do it purely as a social ritual, right. purely as a, um, but in in actual fact for me to but but for Kierkegaard that that would be sort of like hypocrisy that it would be you know that actually the important thing is the the message of 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 what islam or or christianity might say and how it would change you you know how it would mm-hmm. what it would make what kind of person it would make you and that would be a very individual thing not something that you could in a sense read from
0: a manual right, or kind sure. of anything like that no, so because it's uh, going to be individual to you isn't it by definition yeah uh-huh. yeah um so how again what's How does this get into therapy?
1: I I could give an example here. The story I just gave Uh uh, with Janet, and and, and looking at the bugs, there's there's a Kierkegaard quote, which I certainly link up with that, Uh Uh, and the quote is, one does not begin directly with the matter one wants to communicate, but begins by accepting the other man's illusions as good money. Right. So to me, that links in directly with I was accepting good money. So
0: you don't make a judgment on... People, whether I mean in your eyes, they might be completely deluded, but you're still willing to enter into their world in order to uh, bring them on side, sort of thing.
1: Yes, that that that. I mean, obviously, that again, that would depend enormously because I wouldn't consider everybody to be delusional, but no. I, I certainly knew that there weren't any, any that the room wasn't being bugged, uh-huh. so therefore that that wasn't a reality of the subject. Okay,
0: true. What I mean. Uh, Brian likes Kierkegaard, so is there any particular existentialist that you like?
1: Kierkegaard is absolutely my favourite. Oh, so it's a
0: Kierkegaard fan club today.
1: It's (laughs) a a Kierkegaard fan club. All right, his
0: name means graveyard in Danish.
1: (laughs) He had a very good sense of humour too, though, paradoxically.
0: Okay, does anybody know a Kierkegaard joke?
1: Uh, Not in my head, no, but... He, yes. he wrote as a humorist, actually.
0: OK. Uh, all right, we're going to play a track and then we're going to get into the details of how this thing is done. Uh, this is Velvet Underground and What Goes On. What
3: goes on here in your mind? you uh-huh.
0: I'm Grant Bartley from Philosophy Now magazine. You're listening to Philosophy Now radio show. T- today we're talking about how to do existentialist psychotherapy. So this is uh, the topic that we're going to get into right now. And so I'm going to ask uh, my two guests, who are Jill Davis, uh, who's an existentialist psychotherapist, and Brian Gorman, who's a high-intensity therapist, uh, how do you do it? How do you do existentialist psychotherapy? Um, can we Suppose somebody comes to you and says, uh, for instance, I'm depressed, uh, I need some therapy what would be the process from there
2: well i suppose when when someone's coming along to um to you for the first time right. um, there's a number of things that that you're, you're trying to do first of all to try and um help them to to talk to you about what's what's actually bothering them and to try and um help them to feel comfortable talking to you okay so um, well, what do you do so i mean you you know so so you're trying to put them at, at their ease to some extent in the first meeting i um, want specific
0: examples not just okay generalizations.
2: okay all right so i suppose what what does oppression mean to them you know what, what is so what, you, you start off you by
0: asking them what they mean by the terms that they're yeah using, right? yeah uh-huh. that's a that's a good analytical uh, philosophical approach actually i mean how would you I mean, is it generally the same? Would you tackle things in the same way, Jill?
1: Well, the thing is, it's different with each person. Right. So, so the, the thing about existentialism is that, I, t- t- to me, I believe that you are different with each person. So so it's a unique therapy. Sure.
0: So let me put the question another way then. What is your, if I can use the word loosely, what is the, your general philosophy that you take as you approach somebody to uh, find... to initially diagnose them, if you want to put it that way.
1: I, I wouldn't diagnose. If somebody came, I would ask them why, why, why they were here. Right. So I wouldn't diagnose. If somebody said... Isn't that a diagnosis? <laughs> it's of sorts, but it's okay. not okay. an official diagnosis. Oh, right, I see. Um, so I, I would ask them why they were here, why, why they'd why they uh-huh. come, and if, uh, going back to your initial question, they said, I'm depressed... Right. Um, then I would, in a very similar way to, to, to Brian encourage them to talk about that in a very gentle way initially because I believe that before someone is going to completely take you to the depth of their uh-huh. depression they've, they've got to trust you right. they've got to feel that um, you're there for sure.
0: them uh, so obviously there's got to be a sort of rapport between the therapist Absolutely. and the client yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, what I'm sort of getting at though is what is really distinctive about existentialist approach rather than as a general um, I suppose this bed, might come. Good bedside manner. Sorry
2: to interrupt you, Grant. You um, I suppose, I suppose, what what is distinctive about the existential approach is this emphasis on phenomenology, which, which is means to, which means, in, in a sense, trying to um, see things in their appearing for for as they are for the for the client themselves. So how uh, the, how
0: the client experiences things th- to be, right? and,
2: and to try and encourage mm. them to to explore and describe their their experience um, in in the way that it is for them, rather. Them, uh, not in the way that they necessarily might think they have to. It has to be, um, or you know, so people often may have expectations about, you know, like the word depression. Am I, you know, yeah. am I depressed? Some people think they've got borderline personality disorder. They might come right. saying, "I'm a, bi- I've got bipolar. Or I've got." Bo- but that's picking you up, know, you, know, mm. you know, other
0: other psychiatrical approaches uh, jargon, isn't it? I mean, mm. they wouldn't people.
1: Well, I mean, one, one is exploring their worldview and their okay, value system. OK, so give me systems. an example of how,
0: how this happens, then. This is what I'm trying to get at is, uh, you know, suppose... I mean, do you have an example from, that you can think of from your uh, career that you think, you know, this is how it happened, that you could sort of explain a bit to the listeners?
1: Yeah, I mean, th- yes, I can give you a, a, a story Please because it do, is yeah. different with, with with every person. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's that's well, why we'll get it's that, sounding a little we'll vague. The, no, no, to no you we'll to start you.
0: with the Pacific and we'll get the generalisation after going through the specific example. Okay. Well,
1: um, th- th- there was a, a lady I can give you an example I'm of sure. that, that was a it was actually a patient, and I'm saying patient because she was at the hospital. Right. So, so they are patients as opposed to to, to clients um and her name was her name was Mary and that isn't her real name I yeah. was quickly scribbling a name down there um now sh- she had had um an awful background she she'd been sexually abused right. by by her father in fact for for many years since she was since she was a child right. so she in fact didn't really want to communicate with. And I would say that that took about 10 sessions of being with her in the room and breaking into a dialogue that had got really nothing to do with any issue she may so or may not have. So, what were you talking have.
0: about during that time then?
1: Talk I was talking about her home, anything that she wanted to to bring up, but it wasn't for some time related to, to the issues that had made her okay. You were making healthy. so you were making a conversation But you
0: are you're wait- you were hoping for at some point that there was going to be a breakthrough, right? What was the breakthrough that you were looking for? Can is I just inter- interrupt
2: yeah. at the moment, Grant? Because I think there may be an assumption that you're making which I think is perhaps in the way that you're asking your questions and about the way we might do therapy. Right. Because I think it's very important from an existential point of view to the relationship the fact that you are in relationship to me in a therapeutic situation and uh, and and that this could be re- you know this i might be able to work out and understand help you understand how the way that you might be relating to me might also, be the way that you have, might relate to the problems that you have in in, right. in the outside okay. world, so as an existential therapist we don 't tend to jump in we try to avoid jumping in too quickly mm-hmm. to diagnose to say, "Oh this is your problem, that is your problem we 're trying to be, p- pay quite quite close attention to what people are saying and how they're saying it and what they 're talking about and and to try and build that, build that up you know and, and by reflecting on on with them together with them about. About what's happening, and that's an evolving thing. I, sure. I, I think existential therapy is, is not a is. is uh, there's a, there's few examples of there are some examples of, of brief existential therapy, but I think most existential therapists would probably say that it's better to have an open-ended, therapy sure. relation and a more it's a more and a more longer-term therapy relationship in order to really understand and work out what what act, what is actually going on, what and what's the problem, and I, I, so I, I and I think we we do feel as existential therapists we do. Think that the the relationship, understanding the relationship with the with the patient is is the key in, in a sense to to sure. helping them
0: with so their going, problems. So going back to the example, Joe, I mean, so all this time you're having this conversation with mm-hmm, this client mm-hmm. for ten weeks. That's not in, in particular anything to do with the problem that she's that is really her <laughs> psychological problem. So what are, you're But you would say you're still doing therapy i would still
1: yeah indeed because it 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 it, i was building up a rapport with her Uh and she she had particularly serious issues yeah um so that's why it it took 10 sessions i mean i mean that is that isn't an average norm not that there is an average Uh norm um but without the rapport, she, she wouldn't have opened up with, with what she needed to talk about. And throughout the rapport, yeah. there, would be, there would be little pointers okay, to so things. OK, so
0: once you've established the rapport and she does begin to open up, what sort of things are being said and discussed? and Because that's what I think is really the difference between this form of therapy and other therapies, is exact, exactly what sort of... Uh, what sort of information you're searching for, if if that's not a bad way of putting it. I mean, what sort of thing do you say once once somebody's really opened up to you? What are you discussing with them?
2: It, it, mm, can I say something here? Yes, about, do, do. I, I do, mean, do. Martin Buber is quite an influential person here, I think, in it, terms of... An, a, he, he's... Yeah. Um, 20, mid twentieth century Jewish. I think he, I think he's a Jewish philosopher. Uh-huh. I think he was taught at the university in um, Tel Aviv or in, 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 in Israel. But he had this idea about moments of meeting uh-huh. um, that, which was supposed to encapsulate these these kinds of situations where, where they, the the patient has I suppose some kind of insight or some kind of. Uh, that helps them to understand that something about their relationship to you and their relationship to others. So, for example, I'll, I'll give you an example mm-hmm. of my own, where, which I think illustrates this. That I, I was working with somebody who, who had real difficulties with um, being assertive, being being able to get anything that he wanted. Um, and we talked in our work about how difficult that was for him, and he tried to make changes, but it was when he was actually when he thought he was actually late for a session with me
0: mm-hmm.
2: that that we had a moment of meeting because in a sense he was because he, he he was confronted by in terms of not being able to assert himself to have his therapy with me because of the assumptions he was making that oh because I'm late it means I can't have therapy and because we were able to explore that together in our session he 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 finally was able to relate his this experience of being accepted by me um, to something that he could then use uh, confidently in terms of his relationship with others. Well,
3: yeah,
0: but still, what did you have to say to him for him to get that mind state, or what did you have to discuss with him, or what well, did well, he well, have to say well, to you?
2: Well, I said, "What do you think's happening here?" Right? You know, when you know, in terms of you coming here and thinking that you're late, or I didn't actually use those words, right. but but it it was. Let's see this moment. Let's make let's let's think about how the distress and anxiety which were which he he, he was really shaking with fear mm-hmm. in in the moment of arriving late and i said let's let's try and make sense of what's happening here to the difficulties that you've been describing to me in previous sessions and let's see you know in uh, w- in terms of what uh, m- what my reaction is and how and, and see see what you notice about my reaction which might help you then recognize that how that can relate to how you expect me to react or how you thought i was
0: okay so let's follow that line of thought then you asked that question what what do you think is going on here how how would he reply and how would you pursue that as an existentialist psychotherapist in order to get some development
2: do you want me to carry on
0: well do you want to say say something
2: something about it i'll carry on um so in in that in that moment in that moment we were using our Relationship as a, as a way of saying, now, do you think, what, you know, do, you th- what do you think, now that well, I use things like pointing to the clock and saying, you know, is, are you really late? How, I asked him to notice, I asked him to pay attention to my reaction right. as a way of then comparing that with his assumptions or uh, about our relationship of what he expected, what he thought, how i should relate to him and notice the difference and reflect on the dish the difference and think about that and and so out of noticing that difference mm-hmm. he began to think yeah there is a difference there is um something here that and, and that was transformative for so him.
0: you're making him aware of uh anomalies in his own ba- in, in, in his own thinking is that right
2: i don't i wouldn't i don't like the use of the word making him the existential approach is drawing him out isn't
1: yeah it exploring isn't... his value systems right? yeah
2: okay. yeah well okay. I, yeah and i think it was you know i think we did this together it wasn't sort of me telling him what to do therapy isn't about you telling somebody what to do it's about you having a discussion a conversation yeah, about what's happening from... in the yeah, moment sure, moment sure. by moment yeah sorry i just i just want to kind of you know, yeah. You make no, that fi- point.
0: Fine. Okay, Jill. Um, going on from what you were saying about Mary, I mean, what sort of things were you talking about? What What were you saying to her that would help her understand her own psyche?
1: Okay. Well, it, it, because this was uh, an example of someone with with, with such a painful history, right. there was much more listening and being with initially right. uh, th- 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 than actually talking okay. to
0: so so she was she was basically saying oh this is this happened to me, and this happened to me, and this is how I feel yeah
1: yes, except it, it was we'd built up the rapport she'd already felt a trust, so she was allowing her 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 story, her history to to which was very much present with her to come out now now being with someone isn 't as simple as as just sitting in a chair as i 'm being with you yeah. it 's a tuning in and it 's a feeling um, and she could sense and feel that I was with her and and following her emotions with her, which was allowing her to to open up more and more. Um, and in fact,
0: so you're saying she's becoming, she's revealing more and more about her past yes, and, and how she thinks, yeah? And this is your goal as an existentialist psychotherapist no. to get somebody to reveal. So, what is the goal? Not, not,
1: not necessarily, no. I mean, in this particular case, the answer is yes, I was. Uh-huh. But I mean, it would vary so, oh, uh, yeah, from okay. person to person. In this particular case, her, 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 her history was so present with her and right. disabling her life right. that, yes, in this particular case, I was one her to... to, She hadn't talked about it before to anybody. Uh You know, we're talking about a 30-year-old woman who'd who'd been abused from the age of three till 19. So there was a lot of history to to, to come out. So in this particular case, yes, I was. And the being there initially allowed that to come out. I mean, she she was... um, you know, in an un- unbearable state of being. So, to her to be able to feel the trust, to feel that I was there with her, allowed that to happen. Okay, yeah.
0: but then once you got to that state, I mean, what is this existential therapy trying to do? Or what is it trying to achieve? I mean, another que- way to put that question would be how do you know when it's working? <laughs>
1: Well, how do you know when it's working? I mean, if you're working with somebody, you're exploring their worldviews right. and, their, and their values. And if I just go back to Mary, right. how I knew it was working was because she was opening up, her life was changing... What? Can I, say some, was, yeah. can I say something else as well? Mm. Sometimes it's just simply asking the patient or the client,
2: or is it are working? Are you
0: feeling better? Well, you... Are you feeling happier? Is that the Well, you might not case? necessarily
2: put those... You might not necessarily constrain well, it this in is that what I'm. this is yeah. what I'm trying
0: to get at, oh. though, is if it's not these things, what is it? I,
2: I guess it's... a. I guess you're... you're in as therapy is an evolving process you you're asking someone you know do you, do you feel that the thing the things that were troubling you or that you found difficult when you when you first came to see me how do you feel about those things now what do you think what do you make of things now and you know and uh, you might ask them to review you might invite them to 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 review sure. what you've been doing with them and some people will say or some people will just say you know when you know, I think I've, I've I think I feel better now. Right. I think well, I no, think I've got that, what I need out of fine. it And and I do think it's really important to ask the, the particular client themselves, you know for to, to get a
0: sense Okay, of, what you, what do you do that makes people feel better?
1: Well, it, it, it's it's an investigation. It's an exploration. Yeah, of no, a, I got
0: that. But I mean, why should an exploration make somebody feel better? Well, because
1: they may have a value system. They they, they may well, have. Which been, means what? Sorry. Okay. S- okay. So so y- y- th- let's say they may have been told right. um, by an aunt or an uncle or a husband or whatever that you have to be clever. Right. That, so that's become a part of their value system. Right. So anytime they make a mistake, this is a, a small example. Uh, and they, they they feel terrible about it. So one would investigate that value system, the validity so of you're, it. So you're
0: tr- if, if somebody's thinking what might be a lesson for happy way, you're trying to find... The reasons why they think that way in a, in a sort of I think this because somebody told me that I needed to be clever and I'm not clever So. Sort of
1: well, you, you would get to that eventually. You would get to that eventually, yes. The, 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 there is always a reason why... why but that's one what I'm saying. Is that
0: what you're trying to discover through the process?
1: I, I am a lot of the time, yeah. yes. I, I wouldn't is say the, the whole time... the reasoning
0: behind pathological behaviour, thought behaviour, Yeah. <laughs>
2: It, it could be it could be it could be the reasoning or it could be just other other things like um one the, th- the fact that one judges things in a certain way or sort of um just just helping them understand how how they how they might be how they might be relating to you you know that say for example if someone comes in is overly apologetic right. or something yeah. like that and they always think oh you know that everybody else is more important than they are they they by actually introducing that into your relationship with them Mm -hmm. by sort of perhaps saying i'm not saying telling them that they're people pleasers or something like that that's that's very direct but but kind of helping them to understand that they that that, that, that that's how they're relating to others creates a distress or creates the problem for them Mm -hmm. and helping them sort of understand that or appreciate that might then help them to kind of choose to do something a bit different and and then then they can explore what that difference so for example with okay. my chap that was very much uh, what what he chose, choose gave him the confidence to choose to do something different once he'd had that so experience
0: you you're seeking to get them to a perspective where they can sort of so to speak look at themselves from the outside of the, their behaviors or their thought patterns yes and then see and then you can ask is that really working for you or isn't it working for you maybe yes. i could
2: bring in some existential sure. philosophy oh, here do, um, yeah. so you know existential philosophy you know talks about the creation of possibilities you know uh-huh. and and mm-hmm. how by being able to Uh, help people to understand and you know heidegger many of them say man is possibility that's what heidegger says is that you know what does it mean well it it means that we're in a constantly open process of becoming we're never finalized we're never um you know can't you can't sort of Pin pin us down I and mean, saying you're this and that's oh, it right, forever. Okay. There's you no know, limitations of so
0: what you could become. There's no mo- yeah. Start, so yeah. so
2: you're trying to open up possibilities with. And this well, is why exploration is important. Them. Grant is that it does allow for the create the people to discover possibilities for themselves right. uh, that they hadn't perhaps that had been closed off from them from their hmm. awareness maybe or maybe but, from their. And thinking. you would
0: say that's the aim of existentialist psychotherapy to open up people's possibilities.
1: I'd certainly say it was a, a one major thing. one. Not absolutely, well, yeah. it's not a bad really. thing to
0: aim for. Certainly, mm. I mean, to people to uh, achieve their full potential as well. Maybe is a nice well, way to put it.
1: And purpose. I, people sometimes haven't realised what their purpose is in life. So okay. um, that 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 to me is 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 quite a a major existential. And, and value you can bring it out
0: through therapy.
1: Yeah, by dialogue, indeed. Okay. By dialogue, by exploration, by exploring their worldview. yeah.
0: Okay, um, just a few more smaller questions. Um, I think um, he's told me that um, existentialist psychotherapy is critical of uh, psychopathological ways of looking at things. I mean, p- saying that people have got mental illness. I mean, if people don't have mental illness and stuff like that, what do the existentialists say instead?
2: Well, I suppose... I suppose um existential therapists are taking a critical stance to it in the sense that they're not assu- not necessarily assuming that objectivist approach that um, you know which we were talking about that you that you've got depression if you meet these these sets of criteria right, okay and, and that it's the same for everybody right. you know so existential therapists want to understand what that particular particular person's experience is of their whatever that depression means sure. for them that word that they might use okay. and so that you're, you're you're not imposing upon that you're not saying okay right you've got depression well let's go through the checklist of what depression is then and let's work on that that
0: sounds you know. very labor intensive what well, taking each individual as uh, you can't diagnose them according to a category you've got to diagnose them as an individual it's, It seems that there's no shortcuts in this way of doing things. is that right?
1: That's a difficult question. There's no shortcuts because, you, you see, you, you wouldn't be, you would be on mainly in a hospital or, or being diagnosed by a doctor who would be basically diagnosing you via something like the dsm 4 which mm-hmm. indeed is criteria. So there isn't any room for, for, for individual, for, for the okay. human condition All in, right. in that.
2: I suppose in some ways existential therapists accept, you know, the world, the, the world that we live in to some extent that... You know that it, that that people get given labels. That language is used in a certain way. That you know that there are care pathways in the NHS and things like that. That you know if you're if you get if you say that you you've got this problem, then you'll get this medication or what what have you. But it's it's just. Trying to see the limitations, you know, of that, and not allowing that to confine the discussion and the treatment that you would undertake with someone. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I understand that you both, as part of your course, that you've both received existential psychotherapy. What's it like being on the receiving end, Jill?
1: Hmm. Uh, well, it was. It, it's it's a mixture because it, it, it's it's it was. Joyful. I I mean, I I learned a lot about myself, Mm -hmm. but it was also painful. Uh,
0: so, and Why was it painful? I mean, what, just the the fact that you had to be open about your problems.
1: Was... Well, it's pain, painful because sometimes one doesn't realise exactly who one is. In fact, so y- you have a view, you think you're you think you're a certain person, uh-huh. and then you go into therapy, and and you're challenged not not aggressively, but you're challenged, and your worldview is looked at and explored, and you sometimes come out and you think, gosh, I. I I didn't know I was doing that. Sure, but you, I guess that.
0: you've got to believe that it's a it's a good thing to come to the truth, even however
1: uncomfortable. I do. I I, I do indeed. I don't. I don't have. And I think that's what what happens with clients. It, it's there's there's often sorrow involved, right. but the sorrow leads to leads to the joy ultimately. Okay, uh, you know. That's- like,
0: In like a childbirth thing. Okay, Brian. What about you? How did it feel for you? For for me, I I think
2: um, when I started therapy, I kind of wasn't very comfortable with myself. I kind of um, didn't like myself very much. Uh Thought you know, was was incredibly anxious and and. Un- unconfident about what I was really about I didn't really have a I didn't really know who I was and, and like you, like what Jill was saying the in process
0: helped you because the,
2: the, the process helped me to to learn to accept myself but, and it did that not through a specific intervention I couldn't say oh my therapist did this or that it was the whole process it was the process of being able to explore with someone who was interested and curious about me but without constraining me in terms of exploring what i would make of myself um that allowed me gradually to explore different aspects of myself that i hadn't really that I was closed off from or didn't didn't and i made that i made those discoveries right. in therapy and i think that's possibly you know a you know, really important point to make about about longer term therapies is that it if, if you have the time it, the, the, you get an opportunity to do that um and certainly that was for me i mean i I spent um four years in in therapy and and it sounds a long time but it, it did actually help me to to kind of really understand myself a lot oh, better yeah
0: okay is it is existential psychotherapy available on the nhs
1: not to my knowledge. Right. I, I, I'm not an expert. So if somebody I, was
0: interested in this approach, um, where can they find out more or perhaps uh, go for an initial consultation or something like okay.
1: that? Okay, well, well, there's a website, the Society of Existential uh, Analysis, which... Is that all one word, or...? Um no, okay. I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Google but it, but guys. we can Google it, uh, and oh, yeah. that will give you information and um, access to journals and also a, a list of psychotherapists. Okay, and
0: um, okay. Um, finally, is there any projects that either of you want to plug or any thing at all, like your own practices?
3: For
2: <laughs> <laughs> i think we were talking earlier about how in a sense um therapists are quite discreet about themselves aren't they and they would it, it, there's a sort of i don't think we tend to go into self-promotion that that much well it is, um, a chance. Um, well, it, is it is a it is a chance but i, I suppose we would because I, I think one of the things that's really important is whether when you go and see someone for therapy, whether you feel that you can talk to them, right. no, matter, no matter what approach they, they have, right. um, that actually that someone that you feel safe with, you can trust, that you, you can sp- so that you can unburden your soul in a sense with uh-huh. okay. Um And, you know, and that, that will be different for different people.
1: Um.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to plug my books, which are Love, Solitude, and Destruction, which is short stories, and The Meta Revolution, which is a meta revolutionary manifesto. And we've also got, as Philosophy Now's 20th anniversary, uh, is coming up. The event is on the eighteenth of December in Conway Hall. We've got uh, nom- we're looking for nominations for the fight against stupidity. So if you've got <laughs> if you've got somebody you think has made an outstanding contribution in the last uh, year, I guess it, uh, to uh, reason, debate, understanding, uh, email your nomination to rick.lewis at philosophynow dot org, or go to the website which is philosophynow.org, and uh, you'll be able to uh, nominate from there. Uh, thank you for listening next week we're doing quantum metaphysics and we're going to leave you with REM and Everybody Hurts